This fire engineering podcast is brought to you by Demir's Ambulances. Demir's is one of the largest firms in North America and is the Canadian leader in ambulance design, manufacture, and distribution. At Demir's, they never compromise. In saving lives, there is no good enough. That's why their ambulances are designed for safety and come loaded with innovative features that help you excel at your job. Their testing exceeds North American safety standards, and they provide the lowest cost of ownership in the industry. To learn more about them, go to Demers-Ambulances.com. Is your fire department prepared to face challenges like the turbulent economy, recruiting and retention, and funding? Level up and get the training and strategies you need on the issues that matter most at WAVE 2023. Featuring ESO Training Academy on April 11th through the 14th, 2023 in Austin, Texas. ESO, a leading provider of fire RMS and EPCR software, brings together national industry leaders, quality training, and experienced fire and EMS professionals for a unique conference experience that will inspire you to drive change within your organization and prepare for 2023's challenges. For a limited time, our listeners can use the discount code FIRETRUCK to save $100 on a full four-day conference pass. Don't miss this opportunity to learn from some of the nation's top experts in emergency services. Visit ESOWave.com to register today. That's E-S-O-W-A-V-E.com. See you in Austin on April 11th through the 14th, 2023. This fire engineering podcast is made possible by Tenkata Protective Fabrics. The global leader in flame-resistant fabrics, Tenkata Protective Fabrics enables millions of people worldwide to be great at what they do. Generations of industry professionals serving in the fire service, industrial, and military industries rely on Tenkata Fabrics for safety, comfort, and confidence. From the harshest working conditions to the welcoming site of home, Tenkata recognizes the people they're protecting are unique individuals whose lives extend beyond work. Supporting a world of evolving needs, Tenkata's innovations lead the way in user-centric design, technology, and sustainability around the globe. To learn more, please visit TenkataFabrics.com. Welcome back to Main Street Firefighting, a podcast by Fire Engineering. My name is Lex Shady, and with me is my partner, Chris Tobin. Before we begin, we'd again like to thank Fire Engineering for the opportunity, and you all for tuning in. This episode, we discuss how to utilize EMS runs as a form of recon and pre-fire planning. Welcome back to Main Street Firefighting, a podcast by Fire Engineering. Like I said, my name is Lex Shady, and with me is my partner, Chris Tobin. Uh, last month, we interviewed Chief Hubbleman from a Flow Valley Fire Protection District here in St. Louis County, and he brought up a point that we really kind of wanted to continue hitting on this month, and that was how his department utilizes their uh, EMS personnel. So uh, if anybody didn't listen to that podcast, their uh, personnel are cross-trained firefighter medics like most of the county, and I would say a, a good percentage of the country. The difference between his department and some other ones is that they really utilize those personnel. So those Uh, individuals are primarily assigned to an ambulance as seniority grows and they move up to a truck and they do get truck rotation days as well but the big difference is is that they are empowered to also be firefighters and what that means is that they are utilized on their fire scenes and they also utilize them for information 
So he, what he was saying was that they came to the understanding that their personnel are in those buildings more than anyone else. So why not utilize that resource? And we kind of wanted to dive off of that because that's a conversation we've had a lot is you know, you have these members that are in buildings more often than anyone else in your entire department. So why waste that information? Yeah, so we uh, hit on some stuff like Lex was saying before with um, pre-planning and it's just the shift in the response models in the fire service in the last 20 years. Um, Even in the last 10 years with EMS runs, you know, definitely spiking. And then um, that kind of takes us away from certain things that we used to do before EMS was the bulk of the call volume. We we did a lot of mandatory pre-plans. Fire companies were out in the streets a lot more often and for a lot longer time periods. And then, you know, here we are t- 20 years later. Um, we're, we're, the, the time has definitely shrunk. Our availability has gone down to do those things. And it's definitely changed, especially on my department. Um, because I do remember we had very, very strict mandatory pre-plans that we had to get done um, over certain addresses in our still area. And it was the same buildings we had always gone to over and over and over again, which was, which is fine because just because you do a building once doesn't mean that you just stop doing it. Things change. And that was the point of these. Um, it got the crews out and, and they're still and, and just you learned your, the lay of your, your land. And even if your departments have a fire marshal like mine does, you know, it's only one person and they can only get to so many buildings. And like he said, that those guys are usually in the highest risk buildings, the highest occupancy buildings, they're in the the newest buildings coming into town. They're not in, you know, the rundown apartments. They're not in the single family or multifamily residences. And those are kind of the ones that we're really talking about. Uh, A couple years ago, we took um, one of Steve Robertson's classes, which highly recommend. Um, But anyways, in the class, he uh, said a quote that's kind of stuck with me ever since, which is never waste a run. And, you know, we can all talk about most of us, there are a select few that really enjoy EMS, but most of us uh, don't like EMS runs for one reason or another. But what he was saying was that when you're on that EMS run, you know, whether you're responding on an ambulance or a fire truck, utilize it to the best of your ability. Now, that's not obviously at the expense of patient care. If your primary job at that point in time is providing patient care, then you need to do that. But at the same time, you know, on the the runs that maybe aren't the most medically serious or if there's a bunch of fire personnel, you know, utilize those members to um, look at the building and take in some details about it that you may not have had the opportunity to notice otherwise. So we kind of want to dive into what we mean when we say look at these buildings and some things that when we're out on these runs, what we're looking for. So the, the biggest thing uh, that you can do on any sort of responding company in an EMS run in a, in a building um, to, to grab something right away would just be from the out from the outset you know you 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 identify some some things that that you would need to to know if the building was on fire you know before you even talk about tactics or strategies even before you're in the building um you pull up to this address for we'll say a lift assist it's, it's on the quiet um when you pull up to the building kind of like act act out in your head like kind of like a mental model like what this building what you would do if there was smoke coming from a certain point or what would you do if there's fire on this floor or that floor out that door just kind of when you roll up play that through your mind um and you know you're you're basically doing what all high performance athletes do and uh that's visualization and 
it might seem silly and it might not seem like it does anything at the time, but it really pays dividends um, if you do this over and over again. And it's it'll it'll come out in the form of more action under under high high stress. So that's the first thing you can just you can do always. And then after that, um, a big one is just kind of work work from outside in, right? Like identify your FTCs, your fire hydrants, your water supplies, and then it's the issues of entry. You know, do you have a Knox box or do you have key fobs? Do you have um, codes that you need to get in? And are the keys accurate or the key fobs up to date that are in the Knox box? You know, all, all those things. Um, and then really, if it's on fire, you're going to bypass all that. And then how are you getting in quickly? Another thing to consider is um, both of us have in our cities areas that are um, a nicer area of the city that might be right next door to a higher crime area so that community might be gated. So when you're coming in, which streets are blocked off by gates or some other kind of barrier? Which gates do you need those, like you said, key codes or um, any kind of key device to get into? Or is there one entrance that's always open, so you need to direct traffic to that entrance? You know, if they put in a GPS, it might bring them to one street, but knowing ahead of time that they need to come in another way is also things to keep in mind when you're looking, even at, you know, as you're responding to these runs. Um, another one, too, is positioning of your apparatus. Uh, when I was a driver for a good amount of time in uh, on, on two, two truck companies that I was assigned to, and uh, when I would go on medical runs where it was applicable, um, I would always position the apparatus as if the building was on fire to where I would spot my, my ladder where it was needed. It was We, had, we were going to have to pull up anyways for the uh, ambulance. We were always on scene before the ambulance, which is a big reason why we were dispatched to the medical run in the first place. Um, so I would always I would have to move up and leave room for the ambulance coming in behind us. And uh, I would always kind of position my rig as if the building was on fire. And I would look at light poles. I would look at balconies. I would look at power lines. Um, you know, things that would be in the way of me doing that. So when the building was on fire, I, that was just one less equation I had to play through my mind. And um, if you always park your apparatus like that, like I said, it goes back to just it's one more thing you already have in your, you know, in your, in your mind that you don't even have to think about. Um, obviously, it's not always going to be it's not always going to be applicable if it's a large building. And you know, a certain address is better to park. What side of if it's on a corner building or something like that, and one side is better to park than the other for um, EMS. But um, if you can, you know, always kind of pull up as if you're positioning for a you know an actual fire, and that's something that you can just use EMS runs as another form of practice. Another thing you can do, you know, from the street side is uh, learn to read your building. So if you're in an in a area of your city. Um, that has multifamily residences learn to read your buildings you know what what's a four family what's a two family what's an eight family so that when you're automatically going in and you're dispatched you know to apartment 2a you know from the street side you can you can assume where that that where that unit is at right and so then when you're then responding on a fire and you have a fire in apartment 2a you know where to stretch your line and so floor layouts are huge, huge endemic information. And if you have someone on your truck that's not normally on that crew, so you have like some person like a floater or a subber or someone working overtime that may run with your company, but they may be like a second, third, or fourth in later arriving company, those are the people you really want to hammer that in on because what always seems to happen is the company that knows the crazy floor layouts or knows that, you know, 
the, the numbers don't jive, you know, um, you know, 406 is in the fourth floor, it's the fourth building back. Um, that company's always, you know, out of service, or that company's broke down, or that company's on another run. So then they're not first in. So everyone with that information is not there. So now you have four or five other companies trying to figure out what's going on with this crazy layout. So that's why when you are on these EMS runs, you really want to hit it home to someone who's not normally on your crew so they can take that back to their company and say, hey, you know, this building we have over here that we go to all the time for automatic alarms, or hey, if we catch something first in over there, just know the floors are laid out in this weird way and it doesn't mean what it would normally mean. So take that opportunity and uh, make sure that knowledge gets spread and you don't just keep it um, to yourselves because like I said, that, that's generally that's just one more one more hole in the Swiss cheese model that needs to line up. Another thing, obviously, you know, as a construction podcast we were going to hit on is reading construction types. And this is really, really useful for um, members who maybe don't have as much experience in this. This is a, a good crew um, kind of way you can test each other to understand construction types as well as keeping an eye out for those infill buildings you know whether you're a area that's mostly new but has a few old buildings left or more like our cities where they're mostly old but every once in a while you're getting some new stuff added in that from the front side may initially look old you know from the facades or utilizing older brick but then you realize that it's a new building once you do your 360 or you get inside so these are good ways to make sure that you're keeping up on your game when as it comes to that yeah so like well Lexia said the infill buildings huge issue in in older cities or maybe smaller towns that are having a um, gentrification or maybe a influx of younger population think like college towns that are starting to boom um so what we do if we go to just say a single family residence um we don't after the EMS run is over, after we, we do our job with the EMS um, responsibility and our patient is taken care of and the ambulance is long gone, I, we don't just focus on that particular residential occupancy. We look at like the four or five buildings on each side, look at the two or three exposures, and then look across the street and see what you have that might not fit in, and then kind of see what's going, going on on that block. And we see all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, we see the new lightweight buildings going in right next to the old you know legacy 100 plus year old buildings and it's just might be one might be one new building on the whole block and usually a block in st louis has anywhere between you know a a dozen or so addresses um and so one of those one out of 12 will be new and the other 11 will be old and you got to kind of know where that one's sitting um so you so you don't have to once again think about this and you know at at night when people are screaming at you and What's even crazier is these buildings, like Lex saying, the infill buildings, um, especially in older cities, they they use old brick and they'll wrap the facades, in some cases, three sides of the building with the original aged brick. So unless you do a legit 360 and maybe catch siding on side C, you will have no idea that, that, it's, an, that it's a new build, that you're on, you know, floor joist hangers and you're on OS and B and you're on, you know, plywood and not tongue and groove. Um, flooring so all super important stuff when you have your EMS runs just the most mundane residential EMS run to kind of take a peek down the block and across the street kind of see what's going on in that particular part of your neighborhood because um, other places just like St. Louis it's block by block it it isn't a neighborhood or a section of the city it is literally block by block that that gets the small changes 
And the same thing applies even if you are, you know, a fire medic assigned to an ambulance. If it's a run-of-the-mill EMS run, we all have, you know, those regulars, and you're not primarily the one assigned to patient care, so say your partner is in, you know, taking care of the patient, and you're getting out, getting the stretcher or the you know, stair chair or whatever it is, take the time where you're walking to look around. Like, you know, this isn't requiring you to be primary focus is always, you know, at that point in time, patient care, but you can still use your eyes and look around and take in all of that stuff that he was just mentioning. And then you can tell your partner as you're, you know, done with the run, like, Hey, I noticed these things X, Y, and Z on that call. Let's go back to that building, you know, before we go back to the firehouse and look at this further. So don't waste your time, you know, just because if you're in an individual that is assigned to an ambulance, if you're dual rolled, you need to also spend time focusing on um, paying attention to the fire around you. So, when it comes to to going on on EMS runs and using those EMS runs to pre-plan for fire calls, um, most everyone's going to be most people will be responding on would be a pumping apparatus or an engine company. So, from that perspective, you kind of want to do do um, something a little different than if you're on an aerial apparatus or a truck or a platform. Um, if you arrive on a pumping apparatus or engine company, you're going to want to carry a bag of rope that is indicative of whatever pre-connects you carry. So the standard one is, you know, a 200-foot bag of rope with knots at, at every 50 f- feet to simulate couplings or whatever it is for your high-rise. If you have high-rise bundles of 100-foot sections, then it would be the knot at every 100 feet. Take that bag with you when you go into these either large buildings to kind of simulate a, a, a long hose stretch with your high-rise pack or just to simulate um, a long lay around a garden apartment or an, an, or a very interesting um, hose stretch, the, that's kind of where you want to start um, from an engine company perspective when you pull up on these medical runs. And you're kind of using that um, for, your, uh, for your pre-planning. Now, if you show up on a ladder company or something like that now you're not really worried about hose anything you're more worried about aerial apparatus scrub area um, aerial access where your ladders how you're getting your ladders to the rear do you have gated gangways or the alleys you know um, secured are they blocked by dumpsters that kind of stuff what ladders going to the rear what ladders going to the front do you have power lines in the front all the obstructions for the aerials where, where are you going to spot your aerial you know you're going to you know, be on the corner you're going to take the front of the building um so two different totally perspectives and the uh, two different mindsets depending on what kind of apparatus you run the medical run on um and if you're on a quint well you get to do a little bit of both so which is a, a sizable portion of the fire service um and then obviously if you're on a if you're on fire based ems to where you staff an ambulance as a firefighter in a firehouse um all these things kind of go also still apply except you're just on an ambulance you can still have a rope bag and you can still talk about where you're where your aerial apparatus would be parked because you might rotate off that ambulance, you know, the next week and you could be on one of those two pieces. Another uh, basic thing to keep in mind, we all know, is any kind of heavy content uh, condition, whether that's in the yard, you know, the best access to this building is from the rear, but you have to get through a gate in a, a yard full of crap, or whether it's, you know, the hallways, the residents themselves, the entire apartment building, all things to keep in mind and pass back on to the other crews that you see. And then another big one would be dogs also. Um, does the residents have dogs? Are they chain in the backyard are they free whatever uh things to keep in mind if they are aggressive so that you're just kind of prepared um and not caught off guard if you come across them at a fire scene so another big thing especially with these larger um podium construction that the type you know the the either parking garages on the first or second or even you know third floor and then 
Um, you have the residential floors above that. Um, a lot of those are going up across across the nation um, in, in places that are growing. And honestly, you might have just one random one that might go up in the middle of a neighborhood. But um, with those, we're having a big issue with accessing um, certain hallways and getting locked out of stairwells and the vestibules, like I said, might require certain key fobs. Um, make sure that's all squared away. But we've come to find out that it's really good to carry a bunch of wedges. Um, you know, everyone always carries that one wedge in their helmet, but you might need to get through three or four different doors. So, and you get locked in a stairwell or to access an elevator. Um, so we started carrying um, just duplex nails. Everyone's seen the nail trick. You put the nail in the screw heads on the hinge of a door, on the inside of a door. And um, it, that saves a lot of room, first of all, in your pockets, with you, so you're not carrying around a bunch of wedges. And it's, they're, they're just nails. You put them in a little rubber band you get from the grocery store around the produce, broccoli, or cauliflower, or something like that. And uh, those work great for chalking open doors. It also kind of allows the, the EMS crew who may arrive after you to get there with the stretcher and you know, not have to worry about getting locked in or out also. Another thing with buildings like that, um, the larger buildings, is uh, radio channels and your radio traffic. If you're finding that you're not able to get out, that's something that you're going to want to communicate. And whether pre-planned, whether you end up having to use a direct channel uh, or you just know that certain sections of the building you're going to have to get towards a window or a hallway or something, you're going to want to know that, obviously, before you're there at a fire that you can't get any radio traffic out. Right, so that that's huge. You know, you go to certain, you go to a... An EMS call in a, in a basement of a certain multifamily, and all of a sudden, all your radios start, you know, sit, you know, start throwing the signal of, of low, low, low transmission. Um, definitely something to remember. So, next time you go back to that, say, hey, if we catch anything in that building, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to get any, any transmissions out, um, or maybe bring that up to the to the chief or whoever whoever monitors your your radio performance. Um, definitely a big issue in places that don't have repeaters set up or just large buildings, stairwells, elevators always be always have been a problem. Parking garages to an extent always been a problem with uh, radio transmissions. But just knowing where those places are at, unless you just go out when you get new radios and just start randomly going in buildings, um, that is one way that you know EMS runs pay huge dividends is that you're always in the building and you're going to know right away where you can and can't get out with your radios. Some more things to keep in mind as we talk about kind of some maybe more in-depth observations that you find as you're going on these EMS runs uh, related to parking garages would be um, if you're seeing a hybrid or electric charging ports in the in these parking garages, especially important to notice if they're um, underneath occupancy. So like he was saying, where you have the couple floors of parking garage followed by residential, residential above, um, you're going to want to know if they have any kind of uh, EV charging port there um, just so that you're you know prepared with enough water, basically. So an- another big thing too is the amount of um, departments that have the tendency of just doing pre-plans on new stuff, whether it's the new box store in town or the new school um the, those buildings definitely should get their walkthroughs you know as they're being constructed and when they're finished but um you always you always need to, to stress you need to be in the old buildings continuously because those are the ones that that are the older ones are the most change so that means they're gonna have the most additions they're gonna have the the shoddy you know non-permitted additions or construction the void spaces are going to be more more so than just the new stuff that isn't up to code. Um, 
because just they've been around for a century or more and a lot of people just kind of get complacent and say oh well i grew up in this town or the city you know i've been in that building hundreds of times i don't need to go back in it one more time well but, but you might because something may have changed in between the last time you were in there whether it was last year or last week you have no idea um and that's what we've come to find out doing our walkthroughs when we do our program is we take we take the department to their town and we walk through their buildings and it is always an eye-opening experience because they they the most tenured member always comes back and goes wow i never knew it was like that and i walked by that place my whole life so that's just one big takeaway that we've noticed from um pre the the pre-planned mindset is to just don't focus on the new stuff you got to continuously be in the existing stuff also you know, we, we talk about it a lot, but like the older a building is, the weirder it gets. And that's exactly what he's talking about with the layouts changing. You know, if, if uh, ownership of a building changes, you might have a multifamily, you know, say a two family turned into a single family residence. And so you make an advance up a stairs or you go up to stairs to get a patient. And then you realize that it's a one big open area versus split for two families or, you know, vice versa. You have what appeared to be a single family residence is now turned into a two family residence. These are all things to keep in mind and just kind of let the crews know that would be responding in that area to a fire so that they're not caught off guard later and and plus here's the thing too so if say you go like what Alexis brought up if you go into you know mrs smith's candle shop and you for your whole life have lived in this town for 50 plus years and that shop has always been a single family upstairs you go up a certain set of stairs and it's always one big open space and all of a sudden they make that into a a three-family loft you're not going to remember that small detail when the fire happens your mind's going to go back to your previous 50 years of the single family layout so that's why it's so important to to get in these older buildings you're going to have to you're not going to have any sort of under duress you're just going to revert back to the what you've done the most all right which is in this case a bad habit of not being in your buildings because you think you knew them and it's not the case if things have changed and fortunately, now we have a lot of resources, you know, at our fingertips to help remember this information that we find. You know, if you're luckily, you know, lucky enough to be in a department that uses some form of CAD system where your runs are, you know, dispatched and then you get electronic notes with them, you know, putting this stuff in the CAD that you have, a, you have a, above the candle shop is now a, a three family residence or you have, you know, 123 Smith Street is now appears to be a two-family is only is a single-family residence or you have a heavy content whatever gates locks padlocks you come across uh standpipes that are locked that putting those notes in the cat ahead of time so that the crews can see them is super useful you can use active 911 and put notes in there obviously you can put hydrants and stuff fdc connections you can utilize this information this technology to the you know most of your ability um and then if for whatever reason you don't have access to that or your department doesn't want to utilize that whatever i mean at bare minimum have a whiteboard in the captain's office with the major notes that you need people to cruise to remember you can write that stuff down and then at least everyone gets to see it you know at your morning meetings yeah the big thing uh, no one expects everyone to just know all these all these buildings layouts and just remember them um the, the old way of having where you would do a, a manual pre-plan you might put it into a computer and you have like usually a binder in the in the in the fire truck with just 
all these occupancy layouts and pre-plans in the, in the fire truck. And the idea was on the way to the call, you'd look up that address and look at that pre-plan and see that floor plan. And kind of, that's not how brains work. That That's just not, you're not going to remember anything on the way to a call and to try to memorize a floor plan is ridiculous psychology. So, but what we can do is like what Lex was saying is add the very, very important stuff into the notes. Um, lacked, you know, locked uh, standpipes. Obviously, bring bolt cutters, you know, on this call. Um, you might not even remember why you need the bolt cutters, but you just know you got to bring them on, bring them in on this call. Um, and then uh, like stair locations. That's you know, the second floor has been been cut off. The back stairs are how you get upstairs, not the first, not the, not the side A stairs. They don't go upstairs anymore. That's a false stairwell. It's, you have to go around back. They added a new set of stairs. That kind of stuff is going to save save you a huge amount of time. Um, and then obviously, you know, access codes, that kind of stuff for the the non super urgent calls, um, so you so you can get in and you know, out of the building. But um, just basically being able to triage what you really 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 need to know. In a, in a fire situation is the most important thing. No one's expecting anyone to memorize the entire floor plans of these buildings. Um, the, the, the takeaway is when you are doing these pre-plans is to try to make some of that stick, even a fraction of it. But just you might remember the weird cellar door or you might remember the weird hidden gas meter, you know, inside the linen closet in the in the basement bedroom or something like that. Um, you might remember some small stuff like that, but if you don't, it's not that big a deal. But hopefully, someone went back and, like Lex said, put those in the notes. Um, but that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're trying to just make it stick as best we can. Um, but we know that a lot of this is just going to be forgotten, which is why um, EMS runs are also a big, a big you know plus for the fire service. Because even if you don't want to be in the buildings, you're going to be in the buildings, whether you like it or not. You're going to be in the buildings doing the lift assist and doing the welfare checks or whatnot and you're going to get a pre-plan in whether you like it or not so um, don't just go in and walk back to the patient and be oblivious to your surroundings kind of use it to your advantage so all of these things that we're talking about are relatively simple changes that you can make with your department or even just your crew wise now you know nothing that we're suggesting here is going to require some major departmental overhaul right all it is is a simple like i was on on an ems run whether on an ambulance or a fire truck i saw this weird thing i'm going to take it back to my officer we're going to make a crew discussion and then hopefully you can get back out in that building and at least you know walk around the outside and take a look and see what you saw differently these are also things that even the newest members can point out right so we always we're talking a lot about empowering our members to speak up say when they see things that are differently so this is an opportunity for a newer member to say like hey cap i saw this weird thing in this building what do you think of it and then they could either teach them about how that's endemic to their area that it's going to be common for them to see or hey yeah that is weird all of us need to pay attention to this in the future yeah so when it comes to pre-planning in the modern fire service um there's a couple of things that have kind of changed. The first one is, well, now we have, everyone has a camera and they're really good cameras. So obviously get permission, but um, use use everyone's phones or whatever. Think something that you see is interesting or is peculiar, take pictures and go back and talk about them. Um, and then, you know, have a discussion on that. Before we didn't have phones with, with cameras like that and we, we didn't really have we just kind of had to hey did you see that weird thing oh yeah I, I didn't but maybe someone else did or maybe no one saw it but you and then no one really knew what you were talking about but now we can document some stuff a lot a lot easier with that another another thing is is when you're doing these pre-plans don't have too many people on the walkthrough don't have more than i would say no more than 
10 at max because what happens is is the people in the back get lost in the discussion once you have too many people in the pre-plan it, it, it's it's completely um it's almost just wait, wasting everyone's time uh, only only a certain couple of people with an earshot of the person doing the talking is is engaged in, in even getting any information the rest of the group the people in the back they're on their phones they're they're having separate conversations they're not paying any attention they're just walking through they might as well be at, at home walking through their own hallway so don't have these big groups of 20 plus people walking through a building and expecting 20 people to learn something this has got to be on like a company level four four to four to eight maybe ten max with someone really leading the discussion you want someone that's kind of going in with a game plan don't just meander around i mean you can you can do that you can do some exploratory stuff but you really want someone to kind of focus on what you're looking for what the game plan is going to be asking questions hey what do you do when this happens what do you guys think of this what's the game plan if there's a fire here how are we getting here how are we getting people out of this how we you know where are we laddering how are we getting ladders in the, into the you know courtyard um have those questions kind of like in your head before you show up have some sort of plan for your pre-plan like you said be deliberate about it so you know you're going to obviously look when you first get there you're going to look for your your major things you're going to look for your if you have a knox box your fdc connections your closest hydrant maybe even your second closest hydrant if you're going to have to pump to more than one truck um and then also talk about where the farthest stretch is. So, you know, does does your pre-connect even reach where the farthest stretch is going to be? Or if it doesn't, you know, let's go ahead and figure out how much hose line we need to get there so that if we have to pull off of our dead load, how much hose is even going to take? Do we have enough? Um, all that stuff is good to talk about beforehand so that when you get there, you're doing it with a purpose. So another big thing is um, we used to manually draw pre-plans or just the, the plot or floor plan um, as as an assignment and it was always the newest member because they were the least familiar with the building so now that just made sense and I always thought that was really good because like taking notes in class you remember things better when you write them down well in this case you're drawing but your mind is still doing something with a pen and paper and uh, it's always good to, to give that assignment just give a clipboard to the newest member on the on the you know on the company and then have them kind of draw out the rough sketch of the floor plan and then have them identify the important aspects right where is the gas shut off where is the electric meter where are the stairs if is there high hazard you know something going on inside whether it's you know a fuel cabinet or something like that um how many floors is there that kind of stuff and uh then maybe at the bottom on the notes put some like you know, put some put some sort of important things to know, whether it's, you know, door codes, access issues, padlocked, you know, exits or something like that. So ha- have the, that's always, like I said, have, have the newest member kind of do that. And that's something we've gone away from, do just the, the run volume increase across the board in the fire service. The companies aren't just doing this anymore just because they, they had a, you know, their day is now on the road running, you know, 25 plus runs where, 20 years ago you know a busy day was 10 runs so that's kind of stuff that we can bring back and uh it just like i said it pays huge dividends and it's always better for the newer person to do that because they're the ones least familiar with that build you know and going off of that if you're not running 20 plus runs a day you know you have basically no excuse especially over a 48 to not be spending at least part of your time out in the streets right uh you go to the store every rotation to get food for dinner um so at some point in time you could drive by and stop at a building for five minutes and maybe do a quick size up and uh talk about some of the things that were important or this would be the time where if the ems company 
came back and said, hey, I saw something weird, you know, at XYZ address. Uh, swing over there again on the way to the store or the way to get fuel and at least stop at the building and look at it and talk about maybe what they saw or um, you know the lift assist you were on the night before you go back to the building and you look at the stair access because where you thought the stairs were going to be to get the stair chair to the top floor for EMS wasn't there and it took you longer so now you can go back and pre-plan a stretch or know where your access is for any kind of search. So just wrapping this up real quick, we just kind of wanted to take the opportunity this month to kind of plug in after the conversation with Chief Hubbleman last month. We thought he brought up some really great points on how to utilize, you know, both fire medics on the ambulances and the fire trucks responding to EMS runs and making the members kind of feel uh, accountable for what they're doing, making them feel empowered. Um, I know we talk a lot about departments with morale issues, responding to a lot of EMS runs, whether it's on the fire truck or in the ambulance, and maybe their firefighters not necessarily feeling like firefighters. And this is kind of a way to, um, like I said, empower them, make them feel useful again, uh, bring the fire service, the firefighting conversation back into their day-to-day life, mixed in with the EMS runs by kind of modernizing Uh, the pre-plans and the ways we approach these legacy buildings and again we really want to hound on the focusing on getting into the old buildings that's kind of what we do with our program when we come out and teach places you know we start with the lecture in a classroom we talk about the buildings that they have in their town and then we take them out into the oldest parts of their city we're not walking through the new buildings that they're in frequently we're walking through the old buildings that they may have been in you know for 20 years but looked at in a different uh, different way this time. You know, they've maybe missed the renovations that have happened over the last five years because they've been in so much they just don't see it anymore. So that's kind of what we, we want to encourage departments to do is to kind of look at these buildings with a different kind of vision and really actually take the time to see what they're looking at and not just kind of be a zombie walking through to an EMS run. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Main Street Firefighting, a podcast by Fire Engineering. We hope it was worth your time. As always, if you have a topic you'd like to hear more on or a fire you'd like to discuss, please reach out. Until then, stay safe and have a good night.